It's my pleasure to welcome Marshall McClellan to the pulpit this morning. Marshall is a chaplain in the Air Force. Prior to that, he served in pastoral ministry uh, in Florida, not too far away from where I grew up. Marshall, thank you for joining us this morning. Good morning. What a delight to be here and share the good news with you today. And it is good news, and as, as it was read to you, as we sat and listened, we thought of the joyful, wonderful, marvelous news of this holy gospel. It's in some sense a little bit hard, let me move this down a little bit, a little bit hard to connect with this joyful story in our times of COVID, isn't it? It's hard to connect with the joy of Christmas, the celebration, the, the excitement, the hope-filledness of what Mary says to the angel in times of difficulty and stress, times that cost us so much these days. I mean, uh, even if, if, if COVID has not really impacted your life, I mean, just think about Christmas itself. It's, it's always been a bit of a costly time. We buy presents for people that they don't need. And then we, you know, eat food that, that, that we want, but it takes us a long time to digest it. And I mean, it's, there's some costliness there, but honestly, the biggest cost is the season that we're in. It's always been a costly time. It's a time of highest suicide, time of loneliness, alcoholism is as its height, even without COVID. It's a difficult time and hard to get in touch with the feelings of the joy of the season of Christmas. Even in times when it's not COVID, Christmas is a bittersweet time for me. I mean, I spent my Christmases as a kid growing up on my grandparents' farm. So I think in Florida, orange groves, he had 23 acres of orange groves and beef cattle. And so walking the fence line and, and squeezing gallons of orange juice in preparation for all the family to come together on the farm for Christmas, going out and cutting the tree and putting all those 1960 bulbs. You remember those, some of you, a couple maybe remember that, the, the, the silver tinsel on the trees. Christmas is the time I feel the loneliest. I miss most of those people who have passed on. Christmas is a costly time, but if you've ever in this time felt scared, lonely, isolated, sequestered from family, jobless, homeless, maybe you can connect with what Mary is going to experience very shortly. In that particular season, as we enter in, and I'm gonna pull the scriptures back out again, as we enter into this sacred moment between the angel and Mary, Mary had just been engaged a few months prior to this young man. She was about 15 years of age, if you can imagine. And her beloved young carpenter, uh, young man was about 15, between 15 and 18 years of age, young and, and promising future. I'm sure she imagined her life to be something very similar to her mother's a time of coming together and being a family, of having children and all in this quiet little town of Nazareth, to share with friends and girlfriends that she was raised with, the, the joys and challenges of life, to be able to, uh, to have community surround her in love and be able to be a significant part of that little community and to contribute to the to the life under young husband having a thriving business as a carpenter making a difference in that little town 
I'm sure those were dreams of hers as they are for many of us. But as the angel met with her and then left her, her life changed dramatically. During that period of time, as you may know, there was an engagement period of about eight to nine months between the ceremony of two people dedicated together and then the time that they would actually be formally married. That time was, a, was to be a testing time. I mean, they could go out together walking, maybe, maybe touch hands, maybe a long gazing look, but you gotta know that a grandmother is gonna be walking with them. No hanky-panky going on there. There's nothing, nothing serious can happen in that time. And, and it was such a trial that if anything did happen, if they were caught together by themselves, if there was anything that happened that made one of them perhaps unfaithful to the other, then the, not only the marriage was off, but the entire community would be shamed. This couple would be in trouble and, and things would not go well. It would not bode well for the family and the rest of their lives, they'd be remembered as the couple that couldn't control themselves. Or if one of them happened to be found to be unfaithful to the other during this period of time, it could be as, as little as divorce and shame for the rest of their lives or as serious as death, a death sentence. It was during that period that the angel came and made her announcement to Mary. It was during that period of trial that suddenly Mary was faced with a tragic difficulty, a costly Christmas, a time when as she made that commitment, when she said to the angel, may it be unto me according to the Lord, I am his servant, suddenly her family dreams were shattered. Suddenly, the life that she had longed for was gone. At this particular time now, everybody is wondering how this happened. All they knew, to be honest, was that Mary went away for a few months to her cousin, came back a visibly pregnant, unwed teenager. That's all they knew. Now, maybe mom might have said, okay, I, she might have trusted her daughter enough, but not Aunt Sue or the family or the relatives or the girlfriends or the people in the community or those who would be business partakers with this young Joseph. Uh-uh. Suddenly her life was in turmoil. Her dreams were shattered. And now her, her future husband is considering divorce. Fortunately, we know from Matthew's gospel, he adds that this angel, while he was considering divorce, came and appeared and gave him the news and the direction to take. But this young girl's life was completely in tatters. As she accepted this mission and took it on, Christmas became a very costly time. But how did she navigate that? What was it that she and Joseph did? What, what was it about this event that made it so, so able to be born? to be able to make it, to keep the faith and to go on and, and, and to raise this young Jesus in faith and joy. What was it about it? Well, let's start and look at the scriptures right here, right in this first chapter of Luke, lays out exactly the keys to being able to handle difficult times and costly Christmas. First of all, it's the news that the, the angel shared. She said, he said, behold, I, I give you good news. 
Rejoice, O favored one. The Lord is with you. You are favored of God. He gave her the promise of God's presence, the promise of God's power, the promise of God's grace and strength, the hope and the joy of God. In spite of her circumstances, that just at the time as she and Joseph went off, when she would need the support of her family the most, when she would need her mom and all she's got is this little cave to give birth in, that's when she needed God's grace. And she had the promise, but she didn't have the circumstances. God wanted her, and I believe for me and for us, God wants us to keep our focus on his presence, his promise, rather than life's circumstances. And how often I do that? How often do we do that? Do we put our focus, our, our measure of how much God loves us or how much God is with us by our circumstances? Her circumstances were horrible, but she knew from the promise of God that he was with her. That, that one cannot measure God's blessing and presence by the circumstances we're in. God said, I am with you. You are blessed and highly favored in the midst of the crisis of her circumstances. And then I can't find a parking spot in the mall and I'm wondering, God, where are you? A job loss, illness, a relationship shattered, and suddenly we're going, hey, whoa, where are you, God? What happened? We so easily measure the presence and blessing of God by our circumstances. She did not do that, the faithful Mary. And God wants us to, to, to hang on to those promises. In fact, what I find in, in life for me, probably the times that are the, the sweetest, most intimate times with God are usually the hardest times. Back in 1994, my wife and I loaded our two small kids, our three-year-old Christina and our one-year-old Angelie up in a car and moved from Florida, where I was a pastor in Miami, up to Kentucky to do a doctoral program. I was on a fellowship, which was not even a third of my salary as a pastor. And so we settled into this little apartment and tried to make it. It was a rigorous program. My wife became pregnant, and so now another one was on the way. And the, the, the youngest daughter, Angelie, was found that she needed open heart surgery within weeks. Life can be challenging and difficult. I remember we, went to, we were going to a church and uh, in fact, my wife couldn't go because she needed to sequester Angelie. Just, it, it was during the Christmas season and if she'd gotten a cold, she couldn't have the surgery and she needed it really fast. Her heart was three times its normal size. She had had a birth defect and, and they were surprised that she was still alive. So uh, we were trying to keep her safe during that season. And so while we would go to this church, but, I, but this time I was going alone because we didn't want to get anybody else in danger. So in this little church, they had a, started singing this song, this little praise song. I'm not sure if you've ever heard it. And it's called God Will Make a Way. And the verses go like this. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. And he will make a way for me. He will be my guide and hold me closely to his side. With love and strength for each new day, 
he will make a way. And as you can tell, when I sat in the back of that dark sanctuary, I couldn't actually sing the words. All I could do was mouth them and cry. Why do we let our circumstances shape and, and why do we focus on them as the blessing from God? Well, wouldn't it be easier if an angel came to you and said, hey, the Lord is with you. You are highly favored. I'd kind of like that, wouldn't you? I mean, I wouldn't even need an archangel. I could take like a second, like a private angel or, you know, a, a young sailor. It doesn't have to be the big one. It could be Clarence trying to earn his wings. I don't need a big one, but it'd be nice, wouldn't it? God's not going to send us an angel. He sent us his son. He didn't waste time on an angel with you. He sent you his son. And his son said to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I may go, but I go to prepare a place for you. And that where I go, I will come and get you and take you to be with me that where I am there, you may also be. I am the way, the truth and the life. That is his promise to you and to me, not an angel. As Hebrews said, God did not send an angel at the last times. He sent his son to promise to you and to me. And that's, that promise is what we can hold on to when times are challenging and difficult and, and horrific and things are being ripped from us and circumstances are horrible and Christmas becomes a costly time, but we say, God is faithful. What's another way that we find in this scripture that Mary and Joseph were able to make it. And it says right here that, 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 that these, there were things that would cost them something, but the good news is that the angel says to her, and your child will be great. He will be the son of the most high God. And he will be given the throne of his father, David, and over the house of Jacob, he will reign and his reign will be forever. If you've ever had to go out and buy something, if something ever cost you something, but it was worth the price. I mean, why buy a Kia when you can buy a Mercedes? Is it worth the price? Those are the balancing acts we all have to make. Is, is what I'm paying worth the, the imminent value of what I'm getting. And as, as, she, as she looked at this cost, suddenly the, the, what it bought, what the goal of, of, of her life and these circumstances she was gonna be cast into was paled in comparison to what was gained by the goal of Jesus coming to this earth and living among us and redeeming us and bringing us to the Father. The, the cost was nothing in comparison to the price. But what about us? How do, how do we measure that? How do we look at that? Well, it, it really depends on what our goals are. In, the, in this biblical period as now, there were really two competing goals in life. One was the Roman Hellenistic idea, the, the Grecian idea that life is about me. The life is about my comfort. It's about what I can take out of it and what I can achieve and get. You know, it's about me and, and it's centered on that. And when, when, when circumstances come around me to take some of those things that destroy my health or, or take some of my wealth or the things that were making me comfortable, when those attack me, then my goal 
is destroyed. My ability, the cost is too great. But the biblical goal is to be conformed, not to be comfortable, but to be conformed to the will and the life of God, the God who loved us and called us and made us a covenant people, that, that conforming to the image of his son is the goal of the Christian. And, and James, the stepbrother of Jesus in, the, in, in one of the epistles talks about that. Paul talks about that. He says that it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The goal of the Christian life is to be conformed to the image of Christ by his power and his will and the action of his Holy Spirit lived in me. That is my goal. And if you think about it, if that is the goal, if that is your goal, then there's nothing that can inhibit your achieving that goal. There, in, in fact, difficulties actually enhance our ability to connect. Paul talked about that when he said that, that I've learned how to be joyful in all circumstances. And then he lists the shipwrecks and all of the things that have happened to him. It was about being conformed to the image of Christ. He even talked about how sufferings, the difficulties he experienced, completed the suffering of Christ. Even things that Jesus may not have suffered, which would be pretty rare, maybe old age. Even some of those things that Jesus, that Paul was, saw his life and his goals as, for the Christian as completing the sufferings, it would be honorable just to complete some of the things that Christ suffered. James talked about it as, count it all joy, my brethren, when you experience various kinds of trials. For these things create a new steadfastness. And finally, the thing that, that I find one of the most compelling and exciting pieces of, of what Mary encountered is the fact that God provided specifically for the difficult needs that she would have. You notice right towards the end, as, she, as Mary says, I am the servant of the Lord, may it be to me as, as his will. May it be to me as you have said. Just as that is happening, he says, oh, by the way, Elizabeth is pregnant, your cousin. She who was called barren, sterile is the Greek word. Then th she is about to give birth and she is in her sixth month. What is that about? That's a very practical little bit of information. I see that as God giving her a relationship with somebody who knew what she was going through and who knew what she was carrying. That in the first four months of that trimester, when, it, when the chemicals and life is changing so quickly and the sickness and the things come, and yet there's no visible presence yet, the, the what, was I crazy? What, was this real? Did this really happen? And all that I'm gonna go through, am I, am I going crazy? Elizabeth was there to be the encouragement for her, to, to be a practical support. And God is that practical support for us. When we, when we set our goal on living for him, when we say of ourselves, it is not I who live, but Christ who live in me. And I'm gonna trust the promises of God over the circumstances that life throws at me. God provides ways and specific things 
1995, so it was only a few months after my daughter's heart surgery, coming into just past December, we ran out of food. I mean, like I said, we were on, we didn't have enough money to survive. We were on WIC. We used a food closet, food bank there at the seminary. And we one day just ran out of food. My wife was about six months pregnant. She came in and she said, I went to the grocery store today, um, took my little list and I did not have enough money to buy the groceries that we needed. She said, I felt so sick. I was smelling that food. I came home anyway. I said, huh. I went, we went into the kitchen and, and we knelt down on the linoleum floor. And, and all I could think of was Jesus said in the Lord's prayer that we're gonna pray today, give us this day our daily bread. And I said to the Lord, I said, you said that, you told us to pray for that. I don't even have that. What do you, would you, I don't know what to do. We got up off the floor, I helped my wife up off. Tell you the angels didn't sing. Nobody, the angel didn't come that night. We went to bed and the next morning got up. It was a Saturday morning, just finished snowing, blowing, as you know, that happens in Kentucky. And uh, the door was rattling, the wind was blowing. And Christina, our three-year-old was up playing and she, uh, she said, she was watching Barney, and she said, Dad, there's somebody at the door. I said, no. Sweetheart, the door's rattling, the wind's blowing, the snow's, you know, coming down. So she said, there's somebody at the door. I said, there's nobody at the door. She said, there's somebody, you know what happened. I'm gonna go prove her wrong, which I did. I walked up, I opened the door, and I said, sweetheart, there's nobody at the door. And there was nobody at the door before bags of groceries fell in the, fell in on, fell in the room. Bag of meat hanging on the door, was rattling the door. And I, I, I picked up these groceries and I brought them into the kitchen and I'm saying, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And I start unpacking these groceries. And I stopped. And I looked at the list that my wife had written in hand. And I put those groceries out and organized them. And everything on that list were in those bags, including the AA batteries you need for kids' toys, everything. I don't know who the Lord prompted to send, and, and nobody knew we were that in need except the Lord. The Lord provides just when we need it. It may not be cake. It may just be daily bread. But you can trust that the Lord will provide even in a costly Christmas. Let us pray. Gracious God, you who are ever present, you who feed us with your spirit and your sacrament, meet us today and help us in our struggles and our difficulties. Guide us to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.